everybody and welcome to saturday night rewind i am here with randall mcdonald and i'm here with brian paradise and we're here to talk about episode 17 season 46 of saturday night live it was originally aired on april 10th and it featured guest carrie mulligan and musical uh guest kid cuddy and i think uh we both had pretty high expectations going into this episode what did you think randall I thought it was good. I thought it was an improvement from last week. Um, there are some good sketches. Uh, it wasn't like an amazing episode, but I was entertained. Yeah, I had such a great time. I don't think that yeah. there's maybe uh, much that I will be thinking about much longer after this episode, but I was so impressed. And I think you had a, a stronger relationship with Carrie Mulligan than, than I do. But I, not knowing very much about her, I really enjoyed her as a performer. And Kid Cudi, again, somebody that I didn't know a ton about, was also great. He's amazing. I couldn't believe that that was his first time on the show. I thought he had done it before, but that was his debut. Yeah, and he was he was uh, great. She seemed to be game for whatever. I really think that, yeah, it wasn't like an amazing kind of A-plus episode, but it was so good. Good. I just like wasn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like there was any times um, where there was any real kind of clunkers or anything. I, I I enjoyed myself. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think they started out really strong with the cold open, uh, the eye on Minnesota sketch, where it's this um, seems like a daytime local news show with uh, Ego and Keenan and Alex and Kate as kind of news anchors talking about the the news of the day, specifically about the Derek Chauvin case. This is brilliant. And they've done a sketch like this before, haven't they? Where it's the two... Yeah, I think so. Because there was that... I, I remember they did a news segment. I don't know if it was a cold open, but it was... I think it was the same cast members, and they went back and forth on, like... Uh, crimes that were happening in in the news and guessing if it was a white person or a black person oh yes 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 i know what you're talking about uh and this sketch was very similar to it where there's these you know two perspectives that uh i guess america has uh depending on who you are and this is just a perfect way to flush out those uh experiences and those uh perspectives yeah i you know even just the way that it was staged where you know on one camera and one side of the desk were the two black cast members ego and keenan on the other side were the two white cast members alex and kate and it was so great because it was you know everybody's on the same page there you know of these four people derek chauvin clearly uh, acted inappropriately in a way that was probably racially motivated that ended up in george floyd's death yes 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 we all agree uh, and then, you know, the the white person perspective of, oh, there's no way he gets away with this. And then, you know, from the black cast members going like, probably. Happened. Yep, it's happened before. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that, you know, it's not a surprise that Keenan is strong, obviously, because he's so great. But he was doing a lot in, in this sketch uh, that I was very impressed by. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And the comic relief also of Chris Red in this sketch uh, was brilliant too, bringing him in just for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, initially being hesitant to be pulled into the the conversation, and then uh, ending up with having a, an opinion that seventeen ain't that young when you think about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> which uh, yeah, just hilarious. It, it's a ve- it was a very strong sketch, very very smart, and. Uh, I, I do want to shout out to Alex too. He plays, he did a great job playing that white guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And what I, what I wrote at the end was the t- the pacing was really good. So um, it, it felt like, you know, it felt like a sketch where you, they weren't reading the cards. I'm sure they were, but it, it felt like the, the kind of, transitions and pickups of lines were so tight that it really felt like, and the camera work was really working for them too. So they were kind of bouncing back and forth of the dialogue as well as the different perspectives with the different camera angles that are really had this momentum throughout the whole thing where it felt 
just kind of quick. And I really like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very strong, cold open. And that's just like what set the bar for this episode. Yeah, absolutely. So I was really impressed with this, with this cold open. And then we get Carrie Mulligan's uh, monologue and she was just delightful. She is. She is so delightful. She has such a, a great accent. I love her voice. She's, there's like two British people that can do that to me, and it's uh, Emma Watson and Carrie Mulligan. Mm. I'm like, I could just listen to them all day with a yeah, smile or, on my face. A proper kind of British accent, kind of the elevated thing that you get with both of them. Yeah. Um, I, I liked her talking about you know, she gets mistaken for Michelle Williams or she gets compliments as if she's Michelle Williams and just kind of embraces that, which I thought was great. Um, and then the thing that I thought was like so strange but delightful is her actual husband, Marcus Mumford, is in the back of the house uh, and actually was pretty entertaining and it's a really good nice comic timing himself. Yeah, I, I wanted him to be in it more. I was like, why didn't they do it together? I mean, I love Kid Cudi, but they were so cute together. It was It was so funny. Yeah, and I like Mumford and Sons a lot. I definitely got in on that kind of neo, uh, kind of neo folk kind of thing that was happening kind of eight years ago, and I really like them as a band. But I knew nothing about any of them individually. Mm -hmm. And then having him just be like in the back, just kind of cheerful, and again, good comic timing, though, especially at the end uh, when he. Uh, She's like, well, maybe you can come on stage. And then like half a beat later, he is on stage. <laughs> yeah. So funny. And then he starts playing for reals. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like playing the intro to Little Lion Man, which I thought was great. Just like, oh, do you not want me to play? <laughs> and, you know, her, what, again, what was nice about both the cold open and her monologue, relatively short to the point she's kind of talking about how she has this reputation of being this intense actress and didn't have an outlet for it so she was like putting that into her childhood bed her children's bedtime stories and then has this really delightful interaction with her husband and the rap yeah yeah perfect perfectly done yeah not they didn't they're not wasting any time and they're on a good pace so far in the show yeah um so when we come back from the monologue we have um recurring sketch in uh, what's wrong with this picture. I'm not like 100% on game shows as a as a device, but I really like this one because it is so surreal and bizarre. I like the way that uh, this uh, kind of scene is constructed. Yeah, and I agree with you on the game show thing. It, it It's very hard because I think Jeopardy the Jeopardy sketch with uh, Will Ferrell is kind of up there as like the best, you know, of like yeah. stupid actors trying to guess things. And that's pretty much what this is. It's just stupid contestants saying the dumb things that they shouldn't be saying. Uh, but this one is such a fun game and yeah. it's so stupid and silly and they just write it out. They don't try to change it from what it is. And this is a great one. Who This one had a 80... Chris Red and Carrie Mulligan, right? Yeah. And then Keenan as the host, naturally. Right. And I like what you're saying about game shows because I think they successful ones fall in two camps, right? So there's something like uh Jeopardy or even Black Jeopardy, where like mm -hmm. the, the joke or, or even like secret word, that the joke is one of these characters is uh is humorously bad at this game. Mm -hmm. that's where the joke's coming from either they're dumb or they don't understand or whatever and then there's games like uh what's that name uh and uh meet your second wife where mm -hmm. they take the construction of a game show to tell this like really interesting kind of story almost you know in the what's that name where you know the the object of the the game show doesn't know the names of people in his life and then Meet Your Second Wife, which is just, like, amazing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, this one I like because it is just, like, what world do these people live in in which the the way that they are seeing these common images makes sense to them? Like, yeah. Uh, is that where I think the humor is really interesting? Because it's not that they're dumb. It's that they're insane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've got such a unique perspective on life. That that's yeah. what they think is wrong with the picture. Yeah, and then uh, and then they also find room for silly um, 
kind of details like they introduce the um, the host is being half vaccinated. They talk about how the the game the prize for winning is KY jam. Yeah, as opposed to jelly. KY jelly. <laughs> uh, but then just like some of the 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 illustrations and the observations where one of them is. Uh, towards the end where there's a barber scene and there's like oh yeah reggae john is cutting hair now because like the the figure kind of looks like like looks enough like reggae reggae john page yeah it's so funny and i like i like the ending of it too i mean that's the easiest way to get out of this sketch you you don't have to be too smart with it she gets it right (laughs) yeah and that's like you know this is probably the third or fourth iteration of this thing to so to have it where somebody for some reason gets an answer right is a, a good enough um way of subverting our expectations for this scene that to make it work on the nth time mm-hmm. yeah i agree so after this we get uh the ibs medication commercial and this one also is pretty delightful pretty funny it's it's again it's on a keenan strength i mean just have him interrupting with one-liners <laughs> yeah. over and over again well and i just hate the entity of the prescription drug commercial like mm. in my heart i believe it should be illegal and in many other countries it is you know oh, really? yeah well it makes sense right like why are you advertising something to a p- person that can't buy it you're we're advertising to people so that they pressure their doctors for them to prescribe the medication so that they're the insurance company and the the manufacturers get money and it's gross. Like, right. especially when, and this kind of plays on that, right? Like they introduced this like banal scenario with this interruption based on your illness. That's like five to 10% of these commercials. And then the rest of it is all talk to your doctor and side effects. And right. I like the way that they do this. So this is Carrie Mulligan and uh, Mikey Day are watching their kids' piano or guitar recital. And then uh, Laura, uh, Carrie has a like an IBS attack, uses a bathroom just off off of the off of the auditorium. And then the rest when they're trying to do the you know your life will be better and talk to your doctor and whatever uh, that keeps on getting interrupted by Keenan just being beside himself with how disgusting the bathroom is yeah yeah and uh and just this whole thing i mean that is everyone's worst nightmare is being called out like that yeah and uh it's just so funny to just see it keep getting exaggerated first it's just him commenting and then they have to he gets the principal and then the principal has to stop the show (laughs) yeah the principal uh uh, played by 80 and then there's uh lauren uh New girl Lauren uh, is there and she kind of has an idea. She knows that it was Carrie's character. Uh, and towards the end, uh, Carrie gets real close to her and says, if I, if you say anything, I'll destroy your life. <laughs> it's like a cool, another cool um, wrinkle, especially for an actress like Carrie Mulligan, who from my, my understanding is more known for those dramatic roles. And that might be something you see her do. Yeah. Yeah. It was a perfect use of her talent. Yeah, and I also like the the detail of like the plaintive music and the bullet points kept on getting interrupted by Keenan's protestation. So there's like a little bit of like a, uh, not like a proper fourth wall, but like interrupting what you would expect from this kind of commercial as well. Yeah, yeah. I also like the name of this prescription drug. It was very real. Is that a real prescription drug? Like there wasn't like a joke on it. Oh, I uh, I don't even remember what it was called. It was called like Trimla something or. All right. Well, I didn't even think about that because it, it they did do a good job of making it just sound like a prescription drug commercial where that you would just expect. Yeah. And then I was like, is that a real one? Because the, the name was so weird. <laughs> I thought it was great. Uh, fake commercial in the long history of fake commercials. That was really good. Uh, uh, what did you think of this next one uh, with uh Carrie and uh Kate where Kate is the the boy looking to make out with Carrie Mulligan you know it, there was a certain nostalgia to it of SNL sketches 
it felt like this was like a sketch that they wrote in the nineties. Yeah. Because it, it was just, there were, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was very cute. I liked the choice of having, um, Kate play a boy and, uh, 80 play a boy. And they just played them so honestly. And all it is just Kate's trying is a nerdy, you know, middle school or, or high school boy. And he's about to have his first kiss. And so he calls his other nerdy friend who's uh, 80 and he's giving him tips. It was very cute. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I, I don't know. I don't think I knew what was making me like it so much. And I think that's part of it is that the idea of a very simple sketch, right. Which feels, mm-hmm. and I think their costumes were probably kind of leaning a little nineties as well. Right. You could see David yeah. Spade wearing that kind of collared shirt in a sketch. Yeah. Yeah. But I, but I also think that the sentiment of, I don't know how to deal with this situation as a 12 year old. So I'm going to call my friend who maybe knows a little bit more, or I can bounce these kind of feelings off of, which I feel is like a very natural thing at that age, especially like, you know, me who was a, an early teenager in the nineties. So it wasn't like, let me quickly Google this. Yeah. Like yeah, I, exactly. all I could do was call my friends. Is call your friend. And then there's always that friend who acts like he knows so much and he knows nothing. <laughs> well, and I think that's the other great detail, right? Is that when you're in that age, kind of trying to find your identity and then, um, his just kind of, uh, eighties character, Jason is this elevated kind of, uh, kind of misused kind of more adult, uh, kind of way of talking. I thought was like amazing. Yeah. And then the honesty too, the honesty of just being like, Oh yeah, I've never been, you've gone farther than I have. Good luck. Yes. And I like that too, where there's definitely, like, I have a distinct memory that I will not share about being kind of consulted when I was in middle school, high school, and then realizing that halfway through the conversation, I knew nothing. Yeah. And then try to have to like shine it on. And I think that this is really feels like that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and great details, like she is, uh, I'm not going to tell you who she is, but I'll say that she is the Beyonce of our science class as describing Carrie Mulligan. Um, and then another great detail is like, uh, Kate checks out that Carrie Mulligan has two ear piercings. So she's a firecracker. Mm -hmm. Um, but just, yeah, it was really sweet. It was really wholesome. Uh, and I think the kind of Katie Kate team up is always going to be good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And, 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 just such a simple sketch and we don't see that a lot anymore. It's either like super weird or it's making some kind of message or comment on our society. And this one was just, here's a nice, easy sketch. <laughs> Real timeless. The only thing that would be different if this was 20 years ago is that they would be calling in a landline. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. After this, we get yet another great uh, rap uh, per video production from Chris and Pete, this time with the aid of Kid Cuddy, uh, called Weird Little Flute. It was amazing. It was so great. It's so funny. And and just what a great detail, because a lot of the, the rap nowadays has that weird little flute in the background, uh, especially in like the baby, his music. And to have them just make fun of that and to just make a whole sketch about it is awesome. Well, and that's the thing that's funny about it is that it's not really making a statement about it so mm-hmm. much as it's just like acknowledging it. Like it, um, I follow Lindsay Sterling on TikTok, who mm-hmm. there was this period of which she was like the hip hop violinist. Right. You know, she uh, was on a bunch of Kanye tracks off of, um, uh, off of college dropout. And so there was this period where, where it was like, ah, oh, yes hip-hop violins we're all in and this is like another and I, I like that they also called out some specific instances of that so they kind of they mention um big pimpin which mm-hmm. has a kind of iconic uh flute riff and stuff and it was just like really just embracing the idea of the flute but not in a disparaging way it was just like oh this is interesting and then also i like at the end they uh get a bunch of flutes 
yeah. which don't cost very much. Yeah, they're pretty cheap. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Keenan is a great uh, rapper, as is Chris. I also like that um, they were seeing their, like, almost, like, different personas as they, like, take on different personalities for these different songs. So, like, mm-hmm. he uh, Pete's got a good Eminem impression. He's got some other kind of styles. And same thing with Chris. I don't know who he is emulating, but he's certainly emulating someone. Yeah. Yeah. He, with that beard too. Yeah. Yeah. He was obviously, yeah, trying to be someone. Now, he, I, I know that this was a big deal for Pete because Pete is a huge Kid Cudi fan. Okay. Pete says that Kid Cudi helped him not commit suicide in, when he was going through his like drug phase and said wow. that his music saved him. And so to be able to do a music video with him, I know was like probably like the biggest deal for him. And then I didn't know this, but supposedly same thing with Timothy Chalamet is supposedly Kid Cudi's music saved him. And so that's why he showed up in it. Well, great. Thank you. Because I had no idea why Timothy Chalamet showed up, but it was delightful. It was great. <laughs> like so random. Yeah, I had to look it up. And apparently he had the same kind of experience as uh, as Pete. And uh, yeah, and uh, he was in town. <laughs> so wanted to get on that. Well, and that's my question. Was he in town or was he just like near a green screen? Oh, Maybe. Because I don't think he's in frame with anybody when when we see uh, Chalamet in the video. So I presume he was just like somewhere yeah. with the camera. Maybe, maybe because he had been on the show earlier in the season. Right. So maybe, you know, he had a conversation with Pete and maybe they like bonded over their love for Kid Cudi. And he was like, if we ever do something with Kid Cudi, we'll get you <laughs> in, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, because looking at the the frame where you see uh, Chalamet, he's just like against the, a, a graphic. Okay. Well, here. Well, I, uh, speaking of SNL rap things. So the Natalie rap 2.0 from a couple of years ago when, when Natalie Portman hosted, uh, they wrote that independently of, of the lonely Island. She was like, I'm coming back. I want to reprise this thing. And the lonely Island at the time was no longer there. So, kind of midweek, like on Wednesday or Thursday, they reach out to Andy and say, hey, can you, we're doing this Natalie Rapp thing. We've done most of it. Do you want to do a verse? And he's like, well, I'm busy, but maybe. And so if you watch it, basically there's all her stuff. And then it cuts to him just elsewhere. And they just like basically him and whomever cast the kid, got the horns, went to a parking lot, recorded his verse and whatever and just like threw it in there so they like did that in the normal snl timeline of a couple of days on two different coasts because he was out in la filming brooklyn 99 right there's like threw it together which wow, is amazing I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah so he they were you know maybe it would have been a better rap if the lonely island were involved but it's i it's one of those snl short films that i go back to over and over again. I love both Natalie Rapp things. Um, but I, yeah, I love that like there's some connection with Timothy Chalamet. So they're like, hey, can you set up a camera in your, you know, I'm sure he's got a DSLR and a green screen somewhere. Just gonna yeah. go show your face essentially. Yeah. And then and we'll figure it out. Down for it. I love it. Uh, also in this is uh, Chloe briefly and Carrie Mulligan at the end as the manager of the music instrument store. Yeah. So uh, we get to Kid Cudi as a musical guest right after his his video performance. Um, are the songs that he performed new? I think so. They, he just released a, a, another album. I think it's okay. part three of Man on the Moon. Uh, and yeah, yeah. So, but it came out, I think during the, it came out a couple months ago, I think. Okay. Yeah, I just... Because uh, I did not know. Um, but yeah, so both are really good. Uh, what's also cool about this performance, and I'm sure you saw this as well, that he basically got a shout out for doing a Kurt Cobain 
uh, homage in both of his costumes. So the first one, mm -hmm. he's basically wearing what Cobain wore for the MTV Unplugged performance with a image of Chris Farley as, as his undershirt. Uh, and he also uh, posted a picture on Twitter of right. this like uh, sign backstage that says, watch, watch your head. And then in handwriting says Chris Farley. Yeah. Uh, so he got a both honored Farley and, and Kurt Cobain in the first one. And the second one, he's also getting credit for probably emulating Kurt Cobain by just wearing like a floral dress, mm -hmm. which Cobain did on a, a few occasions. Yeah. And I guess that it, it, it was well received so much. He announced that he's going to start uh, dropping more fashion like dresses and stuff. So he's teaming up to make more of those. Yeah, well, and it was so nonchalant, too, which was cool. Like, no attention to it. Just, this is what I am wearing. Yeah. And it was fine. Yeah. And, and I know that the uh, we were right around, within a week of the death of, the anniversary of the death of Cobain. So that was also kind of fitting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think about his, his music? Did you like it? Oh, God. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, didn't know much about him, but he was just a super engaging performer and his music was good. So like, how can you disagree yet? And also, uh, had enough of a band to kind of have an impact. I certainly, I love having a live drummer for hip hop acts and I think that makes a big difference. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's so good. I would love to see him live. He's so good. Indeed. So update, we start with, um, beating up on Matt Gates. Yep. <laughs> which is fine because he deserves it. Um, I, I liked the the kind of epithet they gave him was all the dudes from America combined. combined yeah. Matt Gates. Yeah, which he totally looks like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, also, one of the lines is because the great horrible detail of this Matt Gates stuff are those Venmo payments. Yeah. He pays his guy, his procurer. 900 bucks and then the money is then transferred to the three women under the guise of uh tuition school and school is the the notes on the venmo app um and they had a great line about uh the only congressman helping out with student loans <laughs> yeah it's such a good joke uh i love to when uh colin just uh, when they showed that clip of him naming all the people that were uh supporting him which was Trump, Green, and uh, whoever else. Jim Jordan. Yeah, Jim Jordan. And then just Colin going, oh, no. Like, that It was just, I, like, actually laughed out loud when he, just him saying that. Yeah. It's been interesting, like, consuming, you know, I, I, I watch Colbert and Seth Meyers and um, uh, John Oliver every week. and just seeing everybody's take on even that same clip mm -hmm. is interesting. Um, so it was nice is that, you know, SNL got one of the earlier cracks at it. Uh, yeah. So they, they weren't regurgitating stuff. Another great thing they had kind of stepping away from Matt Gates was I liked their epithet for Newsom, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, saying that he asked the barber for the American psycho with a picture of uh, Christian Bale <laughs> as, as uh, Bates. Yeah. Uh, our first correspondent piece uh, was definitely the weakest of the three. And this is Obama and Springsteen. Yeah, this was a, a, a pretty weird one. And I didn't know this was an actual thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, the two guys, Chris and uh, Beck, both had good impressions. I mean, we've seen better, but. They seem to just be having fun with it. They were. And I think, you know, the 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 joke of this is like the weird palsy energy of these two unlikely people, Springsteen and um, Obama. But this kind of reminded me of that um, two-hander correspondent piece from earlier. Oh, Scorsese yeah. and... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I know who you're talking about. Yeah, or basically, like, if you don't know the source material, you're probably less in on the joke. And I think that Chris Red's Obama is only okay. Mm -hmm. And Beck's Springsteen is only okay. So you have, like, these two okay impressions basically 
joking about the, the premise of their podcast that if you haven't listened to, you're probably out on. Yeah. So I just like, it was fine. Uh, the only thing I liked about, uh, not the only thing, but the thing I, I liked about it, there's one point where they were talking about like, oh, we riff and we just whatever. And then uh, Chris refer- Red refers to himself as Obama as classic Barry. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so a uh, couple other jokes in here that are like super great. And then we get to uh, Punky, uh, new girl Punky, getting her first uh, correspondent piece on update. What'd you think of this one? I, it shows that Punky is strong and she can, she can hold her own. I, I really liked uh, this character choice. And I thought that she was very strong uh, opposite of Che. This is a, I mean, it was a good bit. It's she was playing the stripper, one of the strippers of the Paul Pierce scandal, and uh, I liked it. I thought she was funny in it. What about you? Yeah, I thought so too. I thought you know, she talking about like these real world problems of being a, a stripper during COVID, like uh, trying to clap your ass in front of the Zoom camera, mm-hmm. uh, and getting that she got her vaccine shot in exchange for participating in the Paul Pierce stuff. And so, I, yeah, I thought it was a nicely realized character. She had a great performance. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that she is getting, getting a shot to, to shine a little bit. She should get more shots. I think we haven't seen a lot of her and she doesn't really get to do a lot of characters. And yeah. I think if she has more opportunities, she'll do, she'll do well. Yeah, I think they're integrating her more and more, but getting a good correspondent piece is a good way of kind of jumpstarting that, I think. And 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 also just kind of taking uh, things into your own hands a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of which, the best part of Update was Bo and Yang as the Titanic um, icebreaker. Iceberg. This, was, this was the best. This was so funny. Yeah, I'm- and just so, so subtle still different from his other correspondent pieces, but in like the costume with like the, the big iceberg headdress and then his makeup and just his whole attitude uh, of being kind of indignant about the whole thing is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. And I love the, the detail that he was there to promote his album. He didn't want to talk about the tragedy anymore which I feel like is a good kind of comment on our society with celebrities. Like they want to talk about their projects, but we all want to talk about the scandal that happened five years ago. Right. And, and uh, I also love that when he sang his song, it had nothing to do with icebergs or the scandal. It just was about a boy lover. (laughs) I also love that we heard the song. Yeah. And like a fair amount of it too. Yeah. And and he knocked it out of the park. I I love Bowen Yang. I think he is he's one of the stronger uh, members that are coming up, and I think he's going to take over. He's like the next Kate. It is insane to me that him and Chloe are still um, uh, featuring, as opposed yeah. to like normal cast members. I think that'll change. Yes, if if yeah. they went into the next season as as featuring cast members, that makes no sense to me at all. Uh, yeah, because they are so good. But um, I I like. The detail of like uh they the ship bumped into him yeah. and no one talks about the water. Yeah. <laughs> no one <laughs> drowned on the iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then him kind of scolding um Colin saying that you would be my Oprah. Mm-hmm. He said you would be my Oprah. So yeah. I thought it was great. It was so fully realized. It was uh because I am back on Twitter, it was cool seeing how the, the that was the standout thing from this episode. It seems was uh, Bo, Bowen in this role. Yeah, and rightfully so. This was this was the best. Oh, so good. Um, so we uh, come back from uh, update, and I uh, we are Star Trek fans in this house, and so we had a Star Trek themed sketch. Uh, called Star Charter with Alex Beck, Bowen, Ego, Carrie, Mikey, and Kate. And basically there's a couple of uh, what I presume to be ensigns on the uh, on the ship played by Mikey and Carrie who are just kind of crappy entitled people that don't know how to handle 
challenge and they're getting directives from the the their commanding officers and they just can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was very funny. I wanted actually more of it. I wanted more of those characters. It seemed like the the focus was more on the regular Star Trek characters than on them. Uh but I thought it was very brilliant. I thought uh because I know people like this. Um and just making it all about them and being like you don't understand me and i deserve an apology and i can't work with these conditions and it's like okay well <laughs> right well that's why i that's what i like early in the sketch they kind of identify what they're going for where it's like oh what's wrong with them i think they're just rich white kids um mm-hmm. and letting that getting some great details where you know carrie yells at somebody to stop gaslighting her and then mikey explained that she's going through a really tough time because her parents might be selling her childhood home <laughs> Uh, we see Chloe later on as like another spoiled, entitled young ensign or kind of support member of the crew. Mm-hmm. Um, great detail of uh, Carrie deciding she wants to speak her truth. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was it was a very very funny sketch, and uh, that's the one where I think they could have used more Chloe. Yeah, she just kind of like showed up to like explain something and left and she didn't even like rejoin the the rest of the cast on stage. Um, And then, you know, when Kate kind of grabs Mikey's arm and screaming that she's she's assaulting him, just all that, uh, like you said, that kind of fragile, entitled nonsense. Yeah, it reminded me of that video that went viral with that lady walking her dog in the park. It was like, you're harassing me when that that guy was, the bird watcher (laughs) was reporting her. Goodness. But yeah, uh, yeah, I wish that they came back. Like, I would see another version of the sketch for sure. Especially with like all the the details of that set. It's like, can we, we can use that for something else, right? Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of great detail. Uh, so this next one, uh, I thought had a, a great kind of game to it. This is the, um, digital short with that. That was the lesbian period drama. Yeah. Yes. I'm assuming this is based on portrait of a lady on fire. Is this based on a Carrie Mulligan thing? Possibly. Okay. I, I mean, there, there is, this is one of those things where it does show up every year. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I think it is. I think they are uh, commenting on that. Yeah, I, uh, I'm pretty sure this is at least partially based on Portrait of a Lady on Fire because that has the same time period and a lot of beach mm-hmm. going on. Uh, but yeah, I thought that they. So this is real, real simple. It's just you know, Beck goes to uh, Alex, the doctor, or maybe it's the other way around. Basically, saying that uh, my wife is sick. She is a bummer. Yeah, uh, and just drops her off at this uh, seaside retreat where she meets uh, that's Carrie, and then she meets Heidi, and then they're um, clearly lesbians, and it's just a matter of time until they get together. And I really like the detail of bringing in like the 21st century almost persona of Kate as the yeah. actual lesbian. Yeah, yeah. As, as the ex, as the uh, ex, adding kind of tension. Yeah. There are so many good small details too, like the fact that there's only 12 lines of dialogue in the whole yes. movie. Best uh, one, like an Oscar for best glances or something. Best best glance choreography. <laughs> yeah, best glance choreography. Uh, also the comment that the sex scenes are definitely directed by a guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what, I, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Honest Trailers. Do you watch those? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So I was picking up those kind of Honest Trailer vibes where they're kind of, they're telling the story, but also commenting on it, right? Like, so one of the kind of voiceover lines is, will these lesbians be lesbians together? Mm-hmm. Is one of the questions that the movie asks. And then also talking about the, the they have the initial kind of sex scene that they describe has, you know, Carrie from the back. And he's like, oh, the, you know, seeing her from the back made me think of her front. Yeah. Uh, and then they <laughs> kind of get to the, where they're actually get together. and it's this kind of they pixelate the whole thing and say like oh you know the uh, lesbian scene so graphic is clearly directed by a man yeah <laughs> so yeah i i i thought this was 
well well constructed and i didn't feel like left out because i didn't know what they were referring to exactly i felt like it was good enough it's like i kind of know what they're doing yeah yeah they're very clear and precise on what they're making fun of yeah and then uh we get another kind of this is almost a recurring sketch for mikey where he is the kind of guy off to war with the back and forth letter writing and it had a few iterations i think this is certainly one of the better ones mm-hmm. this one was very funny uh just and again it's one of those where you could see carrie in this part in a movie uh but yeah it's just he's writing a letter to his lover back home and she's giving at first one word answers <laughs> and then uh you know is, is just misunderstanding him and uh it was a great, yeah, it was a great buildup and great game. Yeah, and, uh, you know, some nice recurring bits within the sketch of uh, her uh, sending him cocaine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For something naughty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Something a little naughty. It's like, I thought a dirty picture. Didn't you send me cocaine? Um, and then uh, her detail of, like, so long as no one saw you do the murder, it's okay, like, presuming that he... Uh, somebody died and that he must have killed that person. Yeah, he killed his best friend. <laughs> and then uh, that she had dinner with Nazis. <laughs> yeah, people don't seem to like these Nazis, but I had dinner with them. They seem great. Yeah, <laughs> so innocent. Yeah, and I think what works for this is that she, throughout the whole episode, great line readings, great performance, didn't feel like she was uncomfortable delivering Mm -hmm. dialogue which is sometimes the case like some people just aren't live performers she is certainly a live performer um and then his kind of uh escalating exasperation i think he does well Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that that works well for for him as a performer as well like if those it's just the two of them right so it's just mikey it's just um it's just carrie and i think that if the that relationship doesn't work as well the sketch doesn't work. And I thought he was uh, really good. They both were. Yeah. It it reminds me a lot of that bit that Jimmy Fallon does. Do you know how he does that letter? Dear. Oh, the, the thank you notes. Yeah. The thank you notes. I don't know why it reminds me of that, but, but it's got that vibe. Yeah. And well, what's interesting is that they've done this before with other actors and it hasn't really worked or it's worked less well i think this one was a very good example of of this specific sketch Mm -hmm. Uh, and then great detail of that the parents are dead yeah (laughs) she sends a picture yeah Yeah, i I just saw your parents and then it's a, a them dead which again great just like subverting expectations yeah yeah great game yeah and our our last sketch of the night we had a live last sketch of the night as god intended is uh beat buddies uh which is yes. the la eggs uh <laughs> sketch and goodness it was so good so it was um kyle andy ego and heidi as uh, after school rappers and then yeah. carrie and 80 as these uh people that i guess are trying to integrate themselves into the school to ingratiate themselves with the kids it was just what I liked is that it took so long to figure out what the hell this sketch was uh, yeah. in a way that worked. Yeah. And so weird. Just the weirdest. And that's what you want for the last sketch of the night is just the weirdest. <laughs> yeah. And like, I didn't know, like, what is the joke going to be? Is it weird that they are joining them in rapping? Is it weird that they're like, are how old are these salespeople supposed to be? And that I really liked that, uh, once they reveal that they are trying to teach kids to be essentially like sales promoters for legs hosiery, yeah, uh, that the kids aren't like that's dumb. They're like, I don't even know if I could. They're just yeah. like seem intrigued by the idea, which I also really liked. Yeah, yeah, that made it a lot stronger choice. This is a. a, a Carrie did so well playing opposite of 80 on this one. Yes. This is one where I was like, this would definitely be Kate and 80. Yes, if, for sure. If it wasn't Carrie. And Carrie did a great job, I thought, holding up. Yeah, and even the 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 kind of strange detail of holding really long on their posing legs, which is great. <laughs> they, they just do the same leg movements over and over and over. Yeah, and, you know, talking about uh, 
that basic, like from their perspective that the seventies and eighties are great. And then there was all these poor musicians in the nineties and turn of the century with their gross legs. So that was also <laughs> yeah. fun. Cause like I have a distinct memory of like my mother and sister buying legs from legs. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. And then I, I also like the deep, the, when they first came in and then being like, well, we're your age, we're nine. And they were like, no, we're 14 or 15. And then they're like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's kind of something strange about the two of them as well. Um, that great line where it's like, they, you know, you want your legs to look like beige columns. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't like, there's a line about their toes too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like that there, you, there were no details in their toes. So it was all, yeah. all really good. Um, I like that. It was a perfect weird sketch for the end of the night. Um, so we get to uh, Good Nights. They did two title cards for uh, people that passed away, uh, one being DMX. And then the other one was Anne, uh, Anne Betts or Beats. And I'm from what I looked at, she was one of the original writers on SNL back in 75. And I'm pretty sure that in the um, episode, a couple episodes ago where they did the Shining parody, Tina Fey's character was modeled on that woman. Oh, okay. You know, she kind of talks, she's got like kind of cocaine under her nose and she was talking about yeah. being part of the boys club. I'm pretty sure uh, from what I saw is like, that was meant to be an homage to her. So it was like strangely timely. Yeah. That they did that uh, Shining's uh, sketch and then that act, that uh, writer dies like less than two weeks later. Yeah, that's sad. But so they, they, those two cards, and then when we get to uh, the good nights, Chris is also holding up a RIP DMX sign. And another week, another uh, episode without Melissa Via Senor doing anything. Yeah. And I don't think there's any Cecily either, but I don't think she no was in Cecily. the building. Yeah, there was no Cecily and no uh, Melissa, which I didn't really miss Melissa that much. <laughs> no. And I'm not even sure if we got any, well, I guess in the last sketch, uh, there was Andy Desmukes, but he, that was the only thing that he was in. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And same with Kyle, right? Kyle wasn't in yeah. anything except for that one. Yeah, so, you know, I think that there's probably... Like, I would be stunned if Melissa Villasenor comes back next year. Like, I don't even know what she would come back for. Like, why does she want to be there? If right. She's getting fewer and fewer sketches as the season goes on. Yeah. I yeah. just don't think this is the right... I don't think this is the right venue for her. Yeah, unfortunately. She should just do TikToks, you know? Sure. <laughs> Tick, we need TikToks. Yeah. Um, so what was your favorite sketch, Randall? My favorite, I mean, my favorite part was Bowen Yang as the iceberg, but my favorite sketch would have to be the flutes. I just thought that that was, it was very funny. Yeah, I, yes, I think that one was really good. I really liked the cold open. I really liked the I Am Minnesota sketch. Yeah. I think Keenan was super great in it and great performances all around. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so who was your uh, favorite not ready for primetime player tonight? My favorite, I'm going to go with Chris Red. Yeah. I'm going to go with Chris. I just thought he was he was in those like first three sketches and uh very strong and and uh yeah, he's just he's so good and I and I want more of him. Yeah, yeah, I think he is really stepping into I, I, I would imagine that he is a creative presence in all these songs that he's featured in. So I would imagine he's part of that. So he's clearly kind of growing what his presence on the show will be. He's also developing correspondence sketches and impressions and stuff. I think he's really kind of planting his kind of roots throughout the show. Yeah. And, and he's getting more opportunities because of it. Really feel did, like I, did I ever tell you that, that he was at Second City when I was there, like right before? Oh, no, I don't think he did. Yeah, so it was uh, right when I got to Second City, he was there. He was one of the performers. I saw him twice. Uh, and then right when I got there was when Popstar came out. And he's a big deal in that. And then after yes. that, he went to SNL. 
so I was there like for one month when he was there and, and it was kind of cool to see him before everything blew up. Nice. Oh yeah. He's really good. Uh, I love yeah. pop star as well. Yeah. So funny in that. <laughs> so uh, I think mine, I'm going to go with uh, Kate. She's great in the lesbian period drama. She's great in the Star Trek sketch. She's wonderful in the um, kind of kids trying to make out sketch and in the oh, yeah. Theme, so yeah so she was my favorite from this uh week and then uh i'm assuming we're both uh real pro both carrie mulligan and uh kid cuddy in terms of our are we buying tickets are we are our stock up stock down heck yeah heck yeah both of them so good so strong and they both showed it on the show so yeah I'm totally in I would like to catch uh, Promising Young Woman wherever I can do that. I'm not sure where it's streaming. It's at Redbox right now. I saw okay. it at Redbox. So Nice. Yeah. It's great. I knew nothing about it. And then, uh, speaking of Honest Trailers, they did a um, kind of, they do a, like an Oscars uh, episode every year. And so they did their Honest Trailers for this year's Oscars and she's nominated for for Promising Young Woman. So I saw a couple of kind of images from that like oh i'm not sure what i thought this movie was about but this seems really interesting it's super it's like dark and then it's comedic and it's got a really great message and the ending is not what you see coming so nice it's great all right well that is our episode i like so it was interesting when, when i asked you what you thought at the beginning uh you're kind of like okay but i think as we talked about it there was nothing that i really disliked yeah yeah that's true yeah it's and that was one of it 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 wasn't like there was like an amazing sketch or like something that like blew me away and so maybe that's why i was like meh but yeah as i talked about it yeah there was no duds no i think uh having a uh an episode that is consistently good throughout I would rather that than one breakout sketch and a bunch of nonsense. Like, I think this was like a really good episode in terms of consistency and kind of pacing throughout. I agree. Yeah. So that is it for this episode. Please make sure you uh, review, rate, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on. You can follow us at SN Rewind on Twitter. You can follow Randall at This Is Randall Walter in all of your places including TikTok and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at Mr. B Paradise in all the same places, less so on TikTok. If you would like to send us an email, you can email us at snrewindpod at gmail.com. Yeah. So we'll, we're going to probably get take a break next week because uh, I am in grad school and I'm busy. So we're going to probably take next week off and then uh, hopefully we'll learn more about Uh, some upcoming episodes as they wind down the season, as they get into uh, late April, early May. So hopefully we'll get another raft of two or three more episodes before this season 46 ends. Yeah. Dude, good luck with grad school. That's killing me. All right, man. (laughs) Uh, You have a great week and we'll see you soon, Randall. Yeah. See you next week. Uh, Two weeks. (laughs) 